We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This is episode 229 of The Pod alongside Matt Rudy. I am Joe Russo. Chicago Bears in prime time come away with a loss, but you got to feel like Justin Fields comes away with a big win. We're going to dig into it all. The primetime matchup uh, between the Bears and the Steelers, a classic. We're going to talk winners and losers from week nine in the NFL. We're going to talk a little college football playoff um, already. The committee, a little egg on their face, putting Michigan State on the inside. and. Mm-hmm. Here we are, Michigan State. Better luck next year. Uh, we're also going to talk Matt's Hockey Minute here with all the changes that continue around the Blackhawks organization. We'll offer up a couple of locks because I am he in fuego. He is. And Kid can't miss. you uh, about your way. Uh, also handed out a winner on HQ last night. My picks of the week on Monday Night Football. Also, 7-3. and three. My picks on the Moose and Runes podcast. Also, 7-3. and three. We're cashing, folks. Play with me. But for now, Matt, how are you? I'm, you know, I'm doing better than I was last night. I, in, in, in the moment, at during the game, obviously watching the team, you want them to win. I still don't know why you settle for a 65-yard field goal when everybody in the world knows Cairo Santos can't make it from 50. Doesn't have that leg, yeah. Um, but after had to, you know, even getting an hour away from the game, taking a little time to digest, waking up this morning, having some coffee, thinking back on it, this is back-to-back weeks that. Our future franchise quarterback has taken big leaps forward, and this is the first time we've really seen him put to the test of needing to put together not just a field goal drive, but a touchdown drive to go out and win a football game. And while Mm -hmm. they left too much time and too much in the hands of the referees, unfortunately, he did that. Justin Fields stepped up. He made big-time throws, pushed the ball down the field, found his guys, used his legs, did a little bit of everything, and showed that he's got it. Uh, I said this, well, they didn't win. That was a coming out party last night. I said this last night in the green room, and I completely agree with what you said, but the only thing I'll push back on is I said this in the green room that we are the Chicago Bears. We do not get to decide when we score the football. You know, There's no leaving too much time. When we mm-hmm. can score, we need to score because we know that oh. we're always one play away from not scoring. Oh, I told. I, I didn't mean to say like that. That was something wrong. But on no, no, no. Yeah, no, that, they, they ran it too efficiently. Everything yeah. worked too well. And yeah. you know, sometimes that happens in the NFL. You're not going to be like, well, we're not going to run this route because I think it's going to work too well, and I don't want to. You know, I I don't want to leave enough time. It's. Um, I said it during the game yesterday after Fields orchestrated that drive down the field. Um, my co-anchor Eric Cilius said the same thing. He said, "Ooh, a little too much clock there for." Uh, for Pittsburgh, I go, I made the same point. You know, we, we score when we can score, and I don't care how this football game ends. Obviously, I would love to win this football game, but I don't care if this defense lets one down the field because I don't want anyone on this defense outside of Jalen Johnson or Roquan Smith being a part of this team in the, in the long-term future mm-hmm. anyway. Like, like, I know that this defense is not good. I know that they are very capable of letting the Steelers drive down into field goal range. That ends up coming to fruition. Because I had already resigned myself to that fact, didn't bother me at all. I was, I came away from that game yesterday feeling good, feeling yeah. even better than I did walking away from the 49ers game. Um, because all that I care about right now is our quarterback and a couple other select players who played really good football. I do have issues with plenty of things that the Chicago Bears did last night. Oh, yeah. Discipline. 
where is the discipline? Obviously, there was a bit of a slant there, and it, like, I'm not a big the fixes in guy, but man, if if the if the if the stripes didn't have the Steelers laying the seven, or they didn't have the Steelers on the money line, like that was it was so one sided in terms of the penalties that were called from the Cassius Marsh penalty to some of the other stuff. Now, uh, granted, you can't line up in the neutral zone to a degree. You can they let guys get away with it, but. Um, Back-to-back snaps, Robert Quinn just like with his head in the neutral zone. Like, I, There's just a complete lack of discipline. 12 penalties for 115 yards. You are not going to win a football game. I put that. Now, I, I know it's the players committing the penalties, but I put that at the feet of the coaching for a lack of preparation. I mean, you're absolutely right, Joe. We've, we've played football, both of us, our entire lives, and the, the coaches – preach discipline they preach doing they, they you know they preach doing the little things right and it seems like with this bears team week after week they don't do the little things right they don't they, they don't have the discipline in between you know before the whistle and after the whistle to do the little things right and i, I know that there were certain things last night you talked about uh, the cassius marsh one that, that that absolutely sticks out but like there were little things like those offsides penalties and i know robert quinn's been doing the same thing and he's probably been lined up the same way for years because he is who he is and he's a veteran whatever but like if you get that called one time you, you can't just go back to doing it you have to know like all right the refs aren't like that let me get away with this tonight i gotta take you know a half an inch back or whatever it is yeah. um that said the cut block call on james daniels where it was clearly he inside in, he's a guard off the board. he was a guard it was inside the tight end box are you kidding yeah. me and the, uh, I thought there were three egregious missed calls on Justin Fields. There was one where he was going out of bounds. Linebacker came, lowered the crown of his helmet into Justin Fields' helmet, helmet knocked helmet, him down. Out of bounds. Not, not only was it helmet to helmet, but he lowered the crown of his helmet into the helmet. It wasn't like face mask to face mask. You're going out of bounds. That's a personal foul. There was Now, it was a little bit of a late slide on Justin Fields' part, but it was, to, it was, it was after that call. Fields was turning and sliding due to... Uh, I forgot the linebacker's name or if his D lineman took a shoulder in the back of Justin Fields' head. Mm-hmm. Any other uh, error? Minka. Might have been Fitzpatrick. I, I think actually. you're right. Minka was the first one. I know for sure. I don't remember okay. who the second one was. Um, if that's Aaron Rodgers running, that's a penalty <sighs> ten times out of ten. I, you know, I know Justin Fields isn't Aaron Rodgers, but if we're protecting but quarterbacks, it, they play the same position. You got to yeah. protect the quarterback. You can't. And then, uh, you can't like put the scarlet letter A on this kid and make yeah, him the new because he plays for the Bears. Like, him, yeah, yeah. Not only because he plays for the Bears, but because he's large. He's athletic. He mm-hmm. can play outside of the pocket. He does a lot of things. And you heard some comparisons last night that Cam Newton, a young Cam Newton, did. And we remember how Cam Newton was officiated or lack thereof. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to stand for it. I don't know what I'll do, but I'm not going to stand for We're it. We're not going to stand for it. We're calling <laughs> Tony Carrenti. And there was one, I, I don't remember exactly what it was in the game, but there was a missed roughing the passer call that Fields got you know, shoved from behind. After the, the linebacker, D lineman, took a good two steps after Fields threw the ball. And gave him a shot in the back, shoved him down to the ground from behind, and there was nothing. It was just, I, I again, it's there, there were still ways the Bears could have won that game. They could have made a stop. They could have, you know, put up more than six points in the first half and actually had, you know, a, a offensive game plan that resembled what worked in the second half. But 
it was it was pretty pretty bad on the officials' part. I, I think that um, I think that just as glaring as some of those calls were, there were some no calls on the other side that were absolutely ridiculous. Um, I remember vividly a when Ben Roethlisberger threw that medicine ball uh, up the middle of the field that ended up getting caught. Like the receiver had to run back to it. He tried throwing a deep ball and it came up like fifteen. Yeah. It came up so short of the receiver. Yep. The receiver came back and made the catch. There were two whole like there were two guys specifically Eddie um, Eddie Goldman who had beaten their uh, their pass blocker and just gotten pulled past Big Ben just literally taken by the shoulder pads and just pulled right past Big Ben it, it mm-hmm. was just like at a certain point the NFL has to when 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 something like that happens like last night because on Twitter you could see it it was a groundswell of not just Bears fans it was the greater like mm-hmm. the greater NFL fandom, the national media, everyone was aware of this and in agreement that, wow, there is a slant on this one. And we're talking about a $15 billion corporation. We are talking about a corporation that is making a big push into sports gambling. We're talking about now fairness coming into question, not just for these teams and for their futures and for their records, but for the invested fan at home. It cannot happen anymore. If there is any semblance of fixing or slanting or tilting that's happened in the past, it can no longer happen. It, 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 I, I'm not saying that it was okay that it was happening in the past or that it was even occurring, but if there was anything of the sort, the league needs to nip it in the bud right now because you cannot have people losing hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how they're wagering on these games, because a ref had a $100 bet that he wanted to make sure came through or because a ref was in the can because he's getting a big bag of cash because somebody else had to talk to him before. There just needs to be, there needs to be without a shadow of the of a doubt, one hundred percent fairness and accuracy by these officiating crews because it's not just big money business for the NFL now. It's big money business for the gambling houses. It's big money business for those putting money down on the game. You can't have what happened last night continue to happen because the outcome of that game, while it might have been the same, I'd argue that it wouldn't have been the same if that game was officiated properly. But even if it was, there's a million and one ways to wager on a game now. It needs to be called correctly because I might have a passing prop. I might have a... Uh, yardage prop. I mm-hmm. might have a. I might have a. Who, who scored the touchdown that got called back um, for the for the cut block? Who caught it? Was that Jesse? Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Morning? Jimmy Graham. It was Jimmy Graham. I might have because I have no because I am a lunatic. I might have a Jimmy Graham anytime touchdown paying me four to one or whatever it would have yeah. been six to one probably last night. We cannot have this type of shit happening. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said, and I think it's something that the NFL needs to. Start answer looking for, yeah, not look into it, answer for. That's, that's, you, you there saw needs to be a sense of urgency, Roger. Hey, Roger, you saw what happened last night too. Did that look right to you last night? And I, I think what I thought, like when uh, I was looking at um, Twitter this morning, and I, I saw Tony Carenti's explanation for the Cassius Marsh penalty, where he said, "I didn't like the way he looked at the sidelines. He did it in somewhat of a taunting manner." He didn't mm-hmm. throw the flag. If, if you see that, if you watch the, the video that's going viral, he didn't throw the flag until he hip checked Cassius. My hip checks a little yeah. bit of, 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 of aggressive. No, he, he stuck he, his ass out. He at him. stuck his ass out into him and did <laughs> not. He, if he if he wanted to throw the flag for taunting the sidelines, he would have done it a whole lot earlier. 
He waited until he stuck his ass into the player and then threw the flag. He literally had his hand on the flag, backed up into Cassius Marsh, and then pulled the flag out. That's and like it, it's and just not, not, not just only is it an egregious call, it's an egregious lie. And not just pulled the flag out, but like pulled it out and made a spectacle of himself. Yeah, like, he like he tried to launch it into the air like we're playing five hundred. Like it's this isn't about you. This is not about you. And just to go to the call and whether he was because he was reaching for the flag before he stuck his ass out. He stuck his ass out and then threw the flag, but he had his hand on the flag. So I don't know what's going through this guy's mind. Probably was throwing the flag either way, and then he was just so jacked up and in the moment. Let me make sure that this guy makes contact with me too, and then mm-hmm. throws the flag. Cowardice. Cowardice, wrong. I mean, not like not qualified to do the job anymore would be the way that I would explain that. Now, if you want to start flagging things like um, judo kicks or staring down the other sideline, I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get that. Nothing Cassius Marsh did should be deemed taunting in that entire series of events. Yeah, he looked at the other sideline. You can't look at the other sideline anymore. Nothing in the series of events should be considered taunting. And even if it is, you need to have the discretion as a referee of knowing the moment. If you want to flag that in the first quarter to set a precedent, hey, yep. do what That's you need fine. to do. You got your orders from the league. We're talking about a one-score game with a defense getting off the field, a punter running on the field, and you giving a free 15 yards. They were overtly putting the ball in. Pittsburgh hand, Pittsburgh's hands last night, and it's just not okay. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it's it's something that 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 game needs to be looked at. That crew needs to be. There's accountability held when a player, you know, makes an illegal hit or a, you know a helmet to helmet contact. There's fines that happen for stuff like that. There's fines mm-hmm. for you know certain excessive celebrations, whatever you want, like for doing the wrong thing in games. Officials need to be held accountable. This whole I, I don't know if it's something to do with you know their union as well, but this whole just officials do whatever they want and there's there's no consequence for it. Mm-hmm. It, it. That needs to change. I don't know how necessarily you change it. I don't know how you deem what's finable for an official. But last night was a fi- was a finable offense from Tony Corrente yeah. and, and quite honestly that entire crew. Yeah. That, and and I, I don't want to be the guy that's shouting again like we've said – Bears lost because the refs. Because like we like again, like we said, they could have done a whole lot of things a whole lot better in that game and taken the refs out of it. But when it comes down to it, the officials directly changed that game because they wanted to. Yeah, it was it was a mockery of what what we love to watch, and that's Bears football and football in general. Um, let's talk about some other things here because we could go blue in the face on this uh, officiating yeah. crew. But there was a lot to sink our teeth into on the Bears side of things. Um, Let's go back to Fields for a moment here because looking at his line, 17 of 29, 291, a touchdown, an interception. But for me, most importantly, three sacks for 13 yards. He was getting the ball out quickly last night. Mm-hmm. He was he appeared to be a little bit more comfortable in a collapsing pocket. Like he 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 looks like it's um it's clicking a little bit more in terms of uh not holding it too long, not trying to pad his way back through progressions. Um, taking you know, taking what the defense is giving him, and if that means seven yards out in front of his face and sliding, then then taking that. Um, yeah, I I really have liked, as you said, last two weeks in a row the progress that just. We sat there after the game, and I asked, I asked DK, like you know, I'm trying to think back, was that the best performance by a rookie quarterback this season? And we went back and looked at a few, and it's it's up there. It's top three. Um, you had. 
Davis Mills had a really good game, three touchdowns, no interceptions, threw for like 350 yards. Um, you had Mac Jones against the uh, against the Jets when they won mm-hmm. 44 or when they won big. Um, and you had Zach Wilson against not, the Titans was a pretty good one. Zach Wilson against the Titans, he had a pick in that game too. Yeah. Um, and then we said, you know, you can't count Mike White because he's not a rookie, but it was his debut. Yeah. Um, but that was a, you know, that was a uh, a self affirming for Justin Fields moment. I think in his career that, you know, he, he obviously, I think, I think we're thinking about this more positively than he is because he's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears to win football games. I don't think he's as focused on his personal development maybe as we are he's focused on getting the ball in the end zone um but in terms of his personal development huge step in the right direction super thrilled to watch him developing the way he's developing and i'll be damned if i if i like if the hair on the back of my neck doesn't stand up on some of those throws on that last yeah. drive down the field he drilled a whole he drilled a seam shot to a guy that was perfect perfectly ball. over his outside shoulder because the safety was shaded inside like there are some amazing things that he does and maybe because he's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears the national media and the local media are going to you know grade him with a fine tooth comb and give him a hard time about every little thing but if you are not paying attention to some of the and I'll say it some of the all pro type flashes and throws he's making then you're missing out on it. I'm enjoy- no. I'm enjoying Justin Fields. I'm not enjoying the Chicago Bears, but I'm thoroughly enjoying what this young man's doing right now. I could not agree. I think that was incredibly well said. I actually think now the, the fact that he did what he did last night on a national stage, I know he got some some reps against the Rams and whatever. That wasn't really – like it, last night was his first real, you know – chance to showcase to to the country to the you know, to the entire league all that and in a prime time spot and he absolutely showed out i mean he may it's it's becoming a point now like week every week we're seeing more and more of these all-time like all-time throws like you said all pro type throws that are like flashing wow great like greatness type throws that we haven't mm-hmm. seen in a bears uniform in ever and it's becoming a weekly thing but like you said we're now starting to see like the internal clock's getting a little bit faster. The ability to look for checkdowns is getting a little bit faster. The ability to realize, like you said, taking seven yards with his feet is now one of his checkdowns. Mm-hmm. That's getting a little bit better. Like it's he's he's getting a. It's going from thinking he has to make every throw to getting a read for the game. And, and he said originally the first couple weeks of the year that the, you know the game was a little bit fast and he was adjusting to that speed. But now, like he's starting to get that that internal clock, his speed is sped up so much faster than I yeah. thought it would. And by, I mean, at this rate, I think by the end of the year, we're going to be seeing someone that we're really, really impressed with that's going to be capable of winning the Bears football games. I mean, last Hell night yeah. he almost won the Bears football game by himself. No, the Bears the defense did not lose. Did what they did? Anything, anything that Justin Fields did. I, now you can't throw a ball at Cam Hayward's face in the first half no. and give him uh, an easy interception, but like. Where else do you want to be critical of Justin Fields yesterday? You can't. You really can't be. I, I, I even think the play calling early on didn't necessarily do him any favors. Uh, um, there was a third. Th- there was a third and eighteen around the forty where I wish the Bears would have just picked up ten yards and kicked the field goal. Instead, mm-hmm. he sails a shot to the end zone, fifteen yards over everyone's head. That's the only other thing that comes to mind right now. I think uh, maybe it's Matt Nagy. Feeling more comfortable now that Fields is, you know, played more, you know, has more experience, mm-hmm. but letting him 
push the ball down the field and do it. Like he's more comfortable in that type of aggressive format yeah. setup where he like, and he doesn't want to be this dink and dunk type passer. He's used to being this aggressive passer. He has the elite arm to do it. Letting him open up the offense and push the ball down the field is putting Justin Fields in his best position to succeed. And I'm a little bit upset it took them as long as it did to do that last night because if they would have done that from the get-go, the Bears probably win that game easily. But eventually they let him do it last night, and he he didn't disappoint. He was making throw after throw. Like you said, the one up the seam, the corner route to Mooney on the sidelines. Like There were actually a couple of them, the touchdown and the one along the sidelines earlier in the game. Like He made some – he keeps making these all-pro type throws week after week. And I'm sorry that we're not really getting into much else other than Justin Fields, but there's nothing else to get into other than Justin Fields. The rest of the team was fine. Cole Komet had, you know, one of his better games is I there. Did, yeah, no, I did nice like to see I, David Montgomery back, but Justin Fields is a story. Yeah, I, I did like, uh, I did like Cole Komet and what he showed there um, in traffic, making some big catches, doing some good run blocking as well. Uh, six receptions for 87 yards. Allen Robinson's stat sheet looks a lot different than his game. Not to say that four mm-hmm. for 68 is anything to write home about, but that 39 yard reception down into the red zone, um, mm-hmm. huge grab in a big moment. I just think this team, and, and we've been saying this for as long as he's been on the team, they need to find more ways to get him involved. Um, well, I think the I way you know, get him I don't involved know, is... I don't know that he's a bona fide one anymore. I, I don't. And, and that might be literally atrophy. That might be just yeah. nobody's thrown me the ball in five years. How, do, how, how am I supposed to be any good? Um, but I think that uh, the more concerted effort you can make to get Allen Robinson the ball, the clearer things open up for, um, for Justin Fields as well. Well, I, I think things will open up for Allen Robinson when they start pushing the ball down the field because that's what Allen Robinson does best. Allen Robinson isn't he Darnell Mooney's succeeding so far with, uh, with Justin Fields because he's your slot guy. He's running a lot of more, a lot more of your short and intermediate type routes, you know, across the, the, in the middle of the field where before you open up the offense, that's where a lot of the throws are going to be. Now, when you start opening up this offense, it's Allen Robinson's your one guy. He's running your bet, like your most impactful routes. Most of the time, those are going to be downfield. Allen, yeah. Allen Robinson's a downfield type receiver. He's not this possession type guy. He's a big play, deep threat type receiver, big body. And now that Justin Fields is seemingly, hopefully, getting the playbook opened a little bit more, there's going to be more opportunities for Allen Robinson. I think we started to see that last night when, when Justin's pushing the ball downfield. He does look for Allen Robinson, and Allen Robinson's usually there in one-on-one coverage. So uh, hopefully <laughs> down the stretch we see more of that. Before we open the conversation up to the rest of the NFL and what we saw here in sure. week nine, we do have to talk about the defensive side of the ball because, um, again, they let up a big number in a big spot. I mean, long gone are the monsters of the midway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't say that I've seen someone get abused the way Kendall Vildor did yesterday um, he's on, not all, good. on all fronts. He's terrible. Um, but we've given up 29, 33, 38 the last three weeks. What's going on with this defense, Matt? I don't really. I mean, it, they miss Khalil Mack. The, 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 that's for starters. I mean, yeah. any defense without Khalil Mack is going to miss Khalil Mack. The secondary is, like you said, like we have Kendall Vildor playing a whole, a whole lot of impactful plays. He's a baby snaps. man. He's a he's baby not, man. I, I he still like think he's five he's foot tiny. two. <laughs> he's a tiny little guy. He's a baby man. I like. I like. Jalen Johnson, I think he's absolutely. Well, I, a star- I think he's absolutely a starting corner, probably a number one on on a lot of teams in the league. But teams are kind of starting to realize that you can throw the ball just about anywhere else and be fine. Yeah, and the linebacker depth's just not there. Roquan's really good. Everybody else kind of isn't. Danny Trevathan, 
God bless him. I, I don't know why they that Ryan Pace thought he was a good idea to bring back that, for a whole bunch of money. That one just that made That first sense. touchdown, the first Anaji touchdown, Danny Trevathan could not have looked like could not have looked any worse on that play. Buried yeah. himself in the A gap and then like didn't didn't even see Najee run by him and he was standing next to him. It was so bad. Yeah, it it, it happens in the NFL especially with linebackers like Danny Trevathan who never really relied on their speed anyways he's lost it he doesn't have the step he never really had a step but he lost whatever he had of a step he's just not we overpaid for a 31 32 year old middle linebacker that I think just about all of us the injury prone as well that just about all of us knew we shouldn't have overpaid or paid him that that, that's the guy you just kind of let go and and that one didn't make a whole lot of sense I know I go back to it but watching the game with non-Bears fans is always excuse me, illuminating as well. I'm sitting there with our producer and I go, you got to be kidding me. And my producer goes, who's number six? I go, it's Danny Trevathan. He goes, Danny Trevathan's still in the NFL. So like that's, that's the general, that's the general understanding of our linebacking core right now is guys who probably shouldn't be in the NFL anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some pieces. There's Roquan Roquan Smith. There's Jalen Johnson. Love Robert Quinn. He's been really good this year. He's also old. So after this year, if you can, find someone that would I, I think after this year is when you can kind of move him without that yeah, big we, dead cap hit we keep saying that he's 31 years old it's his 11th year in the nfl and like i agree with you and like what needs to be done in, in trying to ship him but like it's not that old guys guys produce guys are consistent in year 11 it's not like he's like headed straight to the glue farm like what like I think we've fed into this a little bit because mm-hmm. he looks like an old man. But it's not even that. It's 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 truly just for me. Anyone over thirty and anyone not named Roquan yeah. and Jalen Johnson should be looked no, at I, to move. Just yeah. nothing. Completely. I, I think I think Robert Quinn has some good football left in him, and I think this year showed that. And I just I don't think he'll ever be more valuable, and you're going to get much for him. No, but. You you need draft capital at this point because yeah. Ryan Pace loves trading draft capital. He like he, tra- he trades draft capital like the Rams, but then just doesn't win. Um, <laughs> but like we, we need to get some picks, and if Robert Quinn can get you a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick at, you know, after the year, you might need to try and you, know, you might need to do that. Um, you need to start rebuilding the defense. You need to do it fast. You have two cornerstone pieces in there, but you need picks in order to do that. Yeah. Um, final Bears thought for me here is heading into the bye week. Um, I feel like we're almost set up perfectly for an in-season firing. And again, I know the Bears have never done that in their existence. But if you come out of the bye as poorly as I assume the Bears will come out of the bye against the Ravens, mm-hmm. how many how many other telltale signs do we need that our, our head coach is a buffoon? That our yeah. head coach is not cut out for the job, and I know I know I'm I'm forecasting here and getting out in front of what might happen, but I, I just don't see it going any other way. I see them coming flat out of the bye because they're poorly coached and they're poorly disciplined, and I see I see it just I, I see the McCaskies and the front office just letting it slide again. But uh, if that's not another fireable offense, I mean, add it to the list, you know? Yeah, I mean, I it's weird because I want. Like, I want it to get bad. I want like part of me last night. I obviously, I'm thrilled we saw a really good Justin Fields. Part of me last night when it was twenty to six was like, 
good. National spot against another historic franchise who's not having a very good year and they're embarrassing you. Like, I, I want it to get as bad as possible, I, but I also want Justin Fields to look good. So it's almost like next week, I hope they lose 45 to 21 and Justin Fields throws for like 300 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, but but I, I, the only thing I, I would say to that is even if it gets bad, there's no guarantees. So why, why does it matter if it gets bad or not? It's been bad enough. He, yeah. He's he's checked all the boxes on, on someone you need to fire already, and it hasn't happened. Maybe they are waiting until the offseason. Maybe they don't even think they need to fire him at all. I don't know what it is, but we don't have a first-round pick right now. I'm not for this team looking as bad as possible to get Matt Nagy fired because there's no guarantee that he will be fired no matter how bad they look. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I just – it's a lot to uh, – a lot to reconcile with obviously for Bears fans but man if we walk into next season with Matt Nagy with the headset on I I just don't know that I don't know that the ownership of this team cares about winning if if that's the case I would agree if if that's the case then it shows they would rather have guys they like and nice guys in the building than actually the right guys which and that and that's unfortunately nothing would shock me they would rather just make their money, make their millions, and whatever happens on the field happens on the field because they know the stadium will be full. Yeah. Hopefully it's a um, Matt, new shiny winners. one in Arlington in a couple of years. Let's go winners and losers around the NFL. That's a conversation for another day. But uh, I'm going to lead us off with my biggest winner, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Um, they just completed what is probably the toughest stretch, not just on their schedule, but on any schedule, uh, they have, in order, played the Jaguars. Not that that speaks to them anymore at, mm. at all. But th- this has been the this has been the five game winning streak: Jaguars, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, and they come out of there five and zero out of that stretch, beating the Super Bowl favorite in the Bills, beating a perennial powerhouse in the Chiefs that I will admit aren't the Chiefs anymore. Yeah, but not only beating, beating them like. Dominating. 27-3 beating the brakes off of them. Uh, Colts, they played a close game. It wasn't maybe the most impressive thing in the world, but they did lose their star running back in that game, and then they come back without their star running back against the best team in the NFC or second-best team in the NFC, and they beat the brakes off of them. Mm -hmm. I think the Tennessee Titans have made such a statement over the last few weeks, and this is is a team that, again – I've I've said it after the Jets loss. I was ready to eat crow on them being my AFC champion. Uh, AFC mm-hmm. champion, but they are right back into that conversation. Like, who's the best team in the AFC right now? They, they, right form, now, it's them. Current form, it's the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me this is a team that can spread the ball all around the backfield and supplement the loss of Derrick Henry. Now I understand nobody's going to be Derrick Henry, and the guy touched. I did the math on it. The guy accounted for 47% of the touches for the Tennessee Titans up until yeah. the point that he left. Um, that That's a big hole in the offense. Didn't, they're going to get a healthy and rested Derrick Henry back for the divisional round of the playoffs or for the for whatever round of the playoffs. I, that's, a t- that's a tough out. I think they're my biggest winner of the week. Yeah, it's. I, I thought to me there were two ones that, that stuck out or stood out, and I was going to take the one you didn't. But the you're absolutely right on the Titans. I was a little bit worried that they were going to pick up Adrian Peterson and just be like, you know what? We're going to just run the same offense like we have Derrick Henry and everything's going to be fine. We're gonna <laughs> say, they, they didn't do that. Ryan Tannehill didn't have the best game, but he threw the ball 27 times. He was efficient. 
And like you said, they spread the ball, the ball around the backfield, had a few different guys get a decent amount of carries. But for me, defensively, the way this team stepped up after that being their Achilles heel last year, they didn't do a ton to address it in the offseason. A lot of those guys just kind of looking in the mirror, getting better, playing better, and shutting down the best offense in the NFL or in the NFC at least. I was incredibly impressed with them. Uh, the other team for me is the Cleveland Browns. Um, all the turmoil going on with Odell and all that free Odell. I don't still don't know what that means. He, he was already free, whatever. It, I don't know. It means he's free. It means he's on waiver. Someone gets him for free. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that must be it. That, that's why they're wearing the shirts in Minnesota for some reason. Um, but the way that team responded to getting what now appears to be a bit of a locker room cancer out of, out of the locker room, not having that distraction on the field, not having to worry about him. Baker stepping up. This is part of the Baker Mayfield Brown cycle. It kind of seems like Mm -hmm. have high expectations, fail them, be questioned, blow somebody out. And then it's going to just completely, (laughs) it's going to keep going round and round. But right now, divisional game against the Bengals team that now we probably know isn't quite as good as we thought. They, they still mm-hmm. think they're talented. I just, they're, they're not going to win that division and they're not that great of a team, but going on the road, blowing them out with all the adversity you're going up against. Uh, I was incredibly impressed with the, with the way Baker played with the way that team played. And I, I like their coach, Kevin Stefanski a lot in a divisional game. They absolutely needed to have. Yeah. I think that uh, I, I completely agree with you there. And I think that Baker's just, we've, we've talked about it before. He's the type of guy that, you put a battery in his back about anything and you're going to get the best out of him. Yep. So I think they need to just keep creating drama that's tangentially related to Baker and mm-hmm. he'll keep doing good things. Kevin, Kevin Stefanski needs to somehow figure out how to like keep calling out Baker, keep leaking things to, Baker, it's, it's to the media about Baker and piss him off. It's very much a water boy situation. Like you said, what about my mama? Like, mm-hmm. like, like, or, and then he needs to, he needs Stefanski. to start picturing Odell's head on all of his, all of the defenders heads, a, like, Bobby like a, Boucher, a baby so. or like, yep. And like picture like a baby, yeah. Um, biggest loser of the week's got to be the Buffalo Bills. I don't even know that there's a conversation to be had here. You lose nine to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had not mm-hmm. won on the continental United States in like two years. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's tough. It, it, it can't happen. I still think it's a very good football team, but it can't happen. I think this this is like a this is almost like a this loss is like a worm that goes into your ear and then just infects your brain like this is i feel like this loss could mean something more because it's almost like a who are we what just happened moment and Mm -hmm. um six points against the jags to lose nine to six to have um josh allen turning the ball over throwing two interceptions to come into the week as the Super Bowl favorite and lose to the worst team in the league just cannot happen. You're the biggest loser. Yeah, I, I'm i not worried about them yet, but I, I think ne- I want, I'll learn more about them next week and see how they, how, how they come out and respond to this because they had not been playing great. They kind of laid a little – they laid an egg against the Dolphins in the right work because they won, but they kind of sleptwalked through that win and then they clearly sleepwalked and laid it late night against Jacksonville. I'm interested to see what they look like next week. If they use this, if that's actually a wake up call or if there's something deeper there that, that is actually wrong, that needs to be corrected. Um, I got a couple, I, part of me wants to say the Vikings because they keep losing these close games and they're, they're kind of playing themselves out of the playoff race, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to go with the green Bay Packers because not, yeah, you, you lost a game with a backup quarterback, but you lost a game where your quote-unquote quarterback of the future that 
they see in practice every day, they have a pretty good idea about, just got pretty exposed as not good. This, this mm-hmm. isn't the same as, you know, a, a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones or a Zach Wilson going out and, you know, laying an egg early on in a start. Justin or Jordan Love has had a great coaching staff, awesome offensive line. Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers as, you know, his his attitude towards you know, the last offseason this year. By all accounts, he's been pretty good to Jordan Love and, like, been a decent mentor for Jordan Love. He doesn't take any of the Packers' decisions out on him. He... Jordan Love has had 18 months to prepare for that start, and that's what you got. You got nothing. They, you, you, you got nothing. Like, and I, I don't. I, I'm going. I'm waffle, waffle, going back and forth between whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be with the Packers next year. I'm starting to lean towards this is all going to be water under the bridge, and he's going to play the yeah, rest of his career back. with the Packers. But he better because if he doesn't, you're in a lot of trouble next year because this ain't the guy. And you're not going to have a you're not going to have a top pick to go get the guy. This is not the guy, and I I, I think we saw that against the Chiefs against a bad Chiefs defense that has struggled in the recent weeks. He went out and laid an absolute egg. Yeah, I, I think it was um, in multiple ways a, a Bears victory through a Packers loss this week, um, whether that be. Uh, Rogers and his comments about his uh, body autonomy and uh, his relationship with Joe Rogan, which mm-hmm. is something that you know we're not going to get into here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Whether it was that or seeing the future of the quarterback position for the Green Bay Packers right now, um, had had no problem watching the uh, dumpster fire from afar. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Like, welcome to our life, Packers. <laughs> that that's that, said, you, you, you got a good look at what it's been like for literally my entire lifetime as a Bears fan. Shout, Congratulations! Shout out to shout out to cousin Luke who uh, who listens to the podcast, big time Packers fan because he was raised by a corrupt uh, a corrupt man, my uncle. Um, but I told him I go welcome welcome to the land of of quarterback uncertainty. Welcome to the land of having a young unproven asset leading your team. It's a terrible place to be. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Um, welcome, welcome so, to our lives. <laughs> that's it. Uh, all right, those Maybe are not anymore, though. Uh, let's jump through a couple hoops here. Uh, college football playoff, number three team in the nation, Michigan State, coming fresh off that big win against Michigan. They get, uh, they get spoiler-makered by Purdue. Purdue now with two wins over top three teams this season. What does it mean? It means nothing. But, Matt, let's give our personal top fours heading into week 11 of the college football playoff. How do you got it listed? Man, how much of college football did you get to watch this weekend? I don't know if you were in the green room or not. Okay, I I did not know your schedule. I got to be honest with you. I left that weekend being impressed with just about nobody that wasn't named Georgia. I thought everybody was – a lot of teams had chances to go out and make statements, and I feel like none of them did. Uh, So with that said, Georgia kind of has to be one. I I, I wasn't at all impressed with with Alabama and their game against LSU. Like, I – that was a – I feel like normal years, that's a Saban team, especially with Coach O being down. Coach O talking a lot of shit to Alabama. The last time Coach O had been in Alabama was the, the blowout win with the Roll Tide FU and the recruits going and, and saying, you should come to LSU, not Alabama. Like, that was a game that Saban wins by 50. And that team – I I'm not going to say should have lost, but gave the ball back to LSU with, you know, a minute left and – you know, plenty of time to go score and win the game, and LSU's offense wasn't good. But that that just doesn't look like a Bama team to me. I I 
I don't know who should be two, three, and four. This is really hard. They all stink. I'll, I'll keep Alabama at two because I don't think any, anybody jumped them, did anything they you know, could have done to jump them. I don't know. Let's go Oregon at three, Ohio State at four. I, I, I guess Oregon okay. played I mean, with that's their food. That's what Oregon, it's going to be. Oregon played with – it is, and I, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm taking the easy way out, but like – no one did anything to separate no. themselves. Oregon, Oregon played probably, a close game with Washington. Ohio State played, played their close game with Notre Oregon Dame. played with their food or, the excuse, least. Excuse me, with, if that uh, makes Ohio sense. State played a close game with um, Nebraska. With Nebraska, Michigan State got beat. Alabama played a close game with an OK LSU team. Georgia looked good. Uh, Cincinnati just skated by. Michigan, I can't remember what they did. Oklahoma looks the best coming out of this because they're still nine and zero, and they didn't play last week. Yeah, um, Michigan relative- played Indiana, and they won like twenty nine to seven. It wasn't all that impressive. They kind of poured it on a little bit late, but that was my, th- my three biggest winners from the week are Ohio State because they're going to move across that line into the four mm-hmm. spot. Uh, Oklahoma because they did not play, and everybody relatively moved back to them. And yep. Notre Dame, Notre Dame had a nice win there. Um, I think they should move up past Wake Forest, obviously, because Wake lost. I think it's going to go like this. I've, I'll tell you what it, it's going to be, and then I'll tell you what it should be. It's going mm-hmm. to be Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. That's what it's going to look like. What it should look like, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, and then who gives a shit? Notre Dame, Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati, Notre Dame would probably be because the head-to-head there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Michigan. I, I, I just – I have no interest in even entertaining. Or what happened to Michigan State will happen to Oregon at some point. And if it doesn't, the committee's going to do it to them. Because I don't see both I, – I, there is a world where it, it, it happens that Oregon wins out and wins the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Ohio State wins out and wins the Big Ten. Oklahoma wins out and wins the Big 12. You know who the undefeated team is of those three? The Uh-oh. one that's on going to be on the outside looking in? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Oklahoma needs to be put in, and there's just not room for five. So sorry, Oregon. We'll see you later because you are not the football brand that Ohio State and Oklahoma are. So either Oregon's going to get beat at some point or the committee's going to beat them after the season. Someone I, – I just – I agree with you, but I just know what – all these teams don't look good, and I think we're going. I think yeah, it's just going to play itself. Again, no, what again, I'm just going to say. Again, I, again. What I'm saying is, I think it's that's going to play football. itself out. Oh yeah, that's I, I just. Football. Well, no, I mean, in years past, though, like you have the Ohio State years, where Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, all look like this year is just. I'm floored at how average just about everybody yeah, looks that isn't Georgia. Definitely but a little I, bit that, more middle of the road to everybody. That's why I just I think it's going to play itself out. I, I I think Ohio State has a chance to lose down the road. I, I, I don't think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. Wisconsin's playing as good a football as anybody in that conference right now, and they're going to see Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. That's not going to be a layup for Ohio State. Like you said, Oregon's skating by not great teams, though I, though I think of all the whatever efforts we saw last weekend, they probably looked the best. If Oklahoma runs the table, they're going to be in, but they still have some tough schedules. Like I have no idea what to expect. I, I, I do. Th- I, I agree with you that Notre Dame and Oklahoma are probably two big winners of the week. But Notre Dame can't go in over Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's not going in, so it's almost like irrelevant that they're a winner. Oklahoma probably won just won the week by default because they're they didn't play, they didn't have a chance uh, to lay an egg. Nothing bad happened to them. <laughs> no, I, I do think uh, you're going to see Texas A&M shoot up the uh, shoot up the the board to probably like number nine. 
because they beat Auburn and they want Alabama's loss to look as good as it possibly yeah. can. So I, that's that's, that's my putting Texas A&M at number you know nine or eight somewhere. Probably probably they might even jump Michigan State honestly yeah. um, because they want that loss to look really good. We will see here on Tuesday night, Matt. Got to get a couple things done here before we say goodbye to the people. Uh, I think it's only right that we give them a Matt's Hockey Minute with a changing of the guard once again, week after week for the Blackhawks. Yep. What's the latest coming out of the Madhouse? Can we just take a deep breath and just be happy for like a few seconds about them because they finally did the try. right things. They seem like they're taking the right steps. I think I was I was on a on a flight for most of the uh, um, the the Predators game the other night, but from the the bits of it I saw and from the stuff I read on it, it just sounded like a team that played a little bit more relieved, a little bit looser, and I feel part of me feels a little bit bad for Jeremy Colleton because. I don't want to say he got a raw deal, but he just got very unlucky and it put in a situation that he was never going to be able to succeed in. First coming after a, a franchise legend, then getting a pandemic-shortened season, and that this was really going to be his in, his fourth season was going to be his first normal season. Um, that said, players weren't responding to him. Uh, players weren't really responding to him. Mm-hmm. You had people in the media, players in the media talking last night or after the win saying pretty much like, hey, like nothing. Like, it, it, it felt like we were playing looser, playing a little bit more on our instincts and overthinking things. And I think that Jeremy Colleton had a very complicated defensive system that required a lot of thinking. Not everybody needs that. Sometimes it's better to just play the game. And that's kind of what the Blackhawks went back to the other night. And they look good winning. I'm now getting now that Jeremy Colleton's gone, now that Stan Bowman's gone, like it's almost like there's a breath of fresh air in watching this team. And while there's probably too much damage been done to make a playoff run or anything, there's some positive steps they can take. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them going forward because they still have some very good players that are going to be here for a long time. A relieved Matt's hockey minute from our resident hockey head, Matt, we appreciate it as always. Uh, why don't you give us a, something that we can use though? Why don't you give us something that's okay. worth something? Okay. Not that your analysis that. is worthless. I would never say that. No, that's, that's a little bit worthless. It actually is. It's literally worth nothing. We don't charge but anything for this podcast. if you could give these people a pick to put a little money in their pocket, what would be your lock of the week? Hold on. Scoreboard check. Six and three, Matt Rooney. Or six and four, Six Matt and four, seven, seven and three. Seven and three for the kid. I'm still happy with my performance. I've just run into a pretty hot show, so, so some, sometimes so. that happens. Also, we were discussing before the pod just a really head-scratcher of a decision – decision-making from Ryan Day that cost me my lock of the week with Ohio State first half. That's, That's okay. Fine. It happens. That you, you can't win them all. Sometimes you have some bad beats. Um, this week, I usually try and stay away from our teams. I did think about Purdue getting 20 and a half at Ohio State, but I know the first time I hop on Purdue to do you know, beat yeah. a contender, keep it a contender, <laughs> is the first time they get blown out. Um, I'm going to go Notre Dame laying five and a half on the road against Virginia. Virginia scores a decent amount. They haven't played – they haven't been overly impressive at home this year. Their their big game at home was a blowout 20-point loss against Wake Forest. But honestly, for me, Notre Dame is just, since the Cincinnati loss, it's almost like they've taken a look in the mirror. They've started taking steps forward, putting some players in, getting some younger guys that are more talented in to get them you know ready for the future. And those guys are performing. Notre Dame gets better every week. Kyron Williams is, because Notre Dame lost that game in Cincinnati and Notre Dame's kind of out of the, the the college football playoff uh, picture. Kyron Williams isn't getting all that much attention because Notre Dame's not that relevant. Kyron Williams has been the best back in the country the last three weeks, and he's 
kind of sparked that offense along with Jack Cohn getting better, the offensive line improving. I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Notre Dame getting better, not folding after a tough loss at home. Uh, I'd like them to cover less than a touchdown against the kind of whatever Virginia team on the road. I like that as well. Only thing I would warrant caution is that anytime Matt Rooney starts betting the Irish, just be careful. Just, just a word to the wise here. Fair. I'm not, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Approach with caution. Uh, I'm going to give you a play on the opposite side of my play from last week. Last week, I gave out the New England Patriots. I don't think there was a more sweat-free winner mm-hmm. throughout the week than those New England Patriots. What we're going to do this week is we're going to fade the New England Patriots because I think they're a bit overvalued right now. I think that going into Cleveland, a Cleveland team coming off a 40-plus point offensive performance, seeming to maybe find their stride once again, getting a point at home against the Patriots. I feel like Vegas just kind of flipped the switch and said, oh, Patriots are back. Dynasty's back on. Don't cancel the postgame show. Um, I I, I don't – that number looked wrong to me. You know, there's a lot of a lot of tough numbers to figure out, and hopefully they'll make a little bit more sense throughout the week as we break them down. But mm-hmm. that number, Cleveland getting a point at home against New England, give me the point and give me my money. Matt Rooney, it's going to be another winner here on the Moose and Roons podcast, trying to push it to 8-3 and three on the season. Stay off. Uh, but Matt is nipping at my heels, and we're going to be in a year-long race for a dozen golf balls. I know the people at home are very intrigued, very always uh, very uh, very invested. Hard not to be in this year long race, but uh, I think for now that's all we've got. Uh, Justin Fields, um, we got a bye week. Here. We got a bye week, so we don't have to worry about the Bears next week. Not an off week. We'll we'll get into it's not it's, it's not an off week. It's a bye week. We'll get into we'll get into some bowls next week. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll talk a little about them. Maybe maybe see if we can get. Yeah, them. how about? How about that fourth quarter against the Nets last night? They look, they we're, we're looking 40, good. We're looking good. The fourth quarter Bulls. Damar, I see it. Damar, I like it. I like that. I like that a lot. Did you come up with that one yourself? No, that's from a skit uh, when Drake hosted the ESPYs. He did a skit where Damar was in it. He goes, what's your name? He goes, Damar DeRozan. He goes, Damar. He goes, Damar, I hear it, the less I like it. I like that. That's good. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get into some Bulls next week. We'll get into some probably some, some baseball stuff here. I know we had some White Sox. Yeah, yeah. This week, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more next week. But uh, next week will be a mailbag week, probably, because we don't have uh, we won't have a Bears game to talk about. So I know we got some this week. We'll, we'll be sure to get to a couple of those, I think, next week. Can't wait. Matt Rooney, appreciate you as always. For Matt, I am Joe. This has been the Moose and Moose Podcast, episode 229. We hope you had as much fun as we did. But for now, Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.